You have put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise. A sound that resonates that all of heaven and earth may worship you. We tread the hills to meet with you, to see your majesty in all that surrounds us. For it speaks and displays the eternal God of ages, creator, author, victor. In love, you established an everlasting covenant with your people, and it's your love that captivates us. As children of the King, we rush in as waves unrestrained, overcome, overwhelmed, that the King crowned in glory and splendor would reach down to place a crown upon our heads. So we raise our banner, the banner we boldly stand under, the banner of Jesus Christ. From dusk to dawn, from age to age, your praise resounds in all the earth. Deliverer, Redeemer, ruler of an everlasting kingdom that cannot be shaken. We trust in the name of Christ Jesus, the only King forever. Welcome to Zion's Redemption Radio. This is Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. You can find this at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. And the text will also be posted on my Facebook wall at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. You can also find the text and the audio to this radio program on iTunes at Fundamentally Mormon and in the different Facebook groups that I am an admin of. Some of those groups are LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, LDS Gospel Mysteries, Latter-day Unity, and others. You can find the pages that I admin also on my Facebook wall. And if you enjoy this program, please friend request me or follow me and uh, make me one of your close friends. We try to put out as many episodes as we can during the week. But I'm thankful for you to be here today. Let's get right into the reading today. We are going to be reading out of Ogden Kraut's books. You can find his books for free to read online at ogdenkraut.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. Okay, and I don't know exactly where Mark is yet, but um, we're going to start with Adam. We've been a little bit sidetracked with farming today. Um, today is Tuesday, the 6th of July. Holy cow, the time flies, doesn't it? And we are going to be reading Audrey's Kraut book today. Um, if you want to call in, the phone number is 917 889 
Also go to ogdencrowd.com. Oh yeah, there is. Um, you can read all of the books for free, like he was saying online at ogdencrowd.com. Um, and actually, there's a lot of other texts in there if you're interested in finding or seeing um, more of these types of texts. That you can find them there. Um, let me go ahead and dedicate the program tonight. Um, Unless if you had anything else to add first? No. Okay. Our Father in Heaven, we come before thee this evening and give thee praise and thanks for all of the many blessings thou hast bestowed on us these days. We are thankful to be able to have the time right now to come together and to learn and read and uh, use the gifts that thou hast given us and be able to share with others all of the knowledge and life and light that we uh, like to attract and like to emanate. We ask thee, Father, to please be with and watch over us this, at this time. Have thy spirit to be with us and to speak to us and speak to our hearts and let us know what it is that thou would have us to do and also speak to our minds, help us to learn the things that that would have us learn. We are truly grateful for this time, for your blessings, your um, knowledge, and your light. We ask thee to please help us to bring about thy kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And these things we pray for and hope for with all things and Say these in the name these things in the name of thy son Yeshua, even Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay. So let's go ahead and read. Um, again, it's Authority, Position, Calling, Keys, Chapter Three of Holy Priesthood, Volume Six. Wherefore, now let every man learn his duty and to act in the office in which he is appointed in all diligence. That's Doctrine and Covenants. Chapter 107, verse 99. This chapter is divided into the following sections. Number one, explanation of terms. Number two, authority, position, keys. Number three, callings and keys. Number four, split calling. Number five, general calling. Number six, magnifying your calling. Number seven, rule and reign or 
serve, and sacrifice. Okay, let's do explanation of terms first. It would be much easier to understand these gospel terms if we could put them in some kind of order, such as that listed in the chapter title above. But since they are so closely allied together, there is no defined timetable in which you can place them. Hmm. For example, one can receive a calling either before or after he receives priesthood authority. Some gifts of the Spirit can be enjoyed any time along the way, not just after receiving priesthood authority. Someone can act by virtue of his own priesthood keys or under the direction of someone else's. Some positions automatically entitle you to certain keys, whereas most keys come in connection with a particular calling. To begin with, let's take the scenario of a young man who was converted to the LDS Church in the mid-1800s. Number one, he first feels he has received a calling to join the church. Some even received their calling in the pre-existence. Number two, he may have, have received the gift of dreams to help him gain his testimony of the truthfulness of the gospel, as well as the gift of discernment, etc. Number three, he is baptized and confirmed a member of the LDS Church by someone with priesthood authority. Number four, he is conferred with the Aaronic priesthood, giving him priesthood authority. Number five, he eventually is ordained to the positions or offices of deacon, teacher, and priest in the Aaronic priesthood. Number six, he now holds the keys, uh, number one, of the ministry of, ministry of angels, number two, of the gospel of repentance, number three, of baptism by immersion for the remission of sins, and four, to administer in outward ordinances, see D&C 13 and 107, verse 20. Number seven, along with this ironic priesthood position or office, he can receive a particular priesthood calling from someone with a higher calling to perform a particular work or assignment. Number eight, at that time, he would receive the necessary keys to enable him to perform that labor. Number nine, he is later conferred with the Melchizedek priesthood, a higher authority by someone who already had this authority. Number 10, he is ordained to any or all of the positions or offices of elder, 70, high priest, apostle, and patriarch. Number 11, he now holds the keys, number one of the mysteries of the kingdom, number two of the knowledge of God, number three of all spiritual blessings of the church, number four, to have the heavens opened unto them, number five, to commune with the general assembly, assembly and the church of the firstborn, and six, to enjoy the communion and presence of God the Father and Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. See BNC 84, 19, and also 107, 19. Number 12, in his Melchizedek priesthood position, he can receive a particular calling that entitles him to receive accompanying additional keys to perform that work. Number 13, when he is ready to be married, he goes to someone with Melchizedek priesthood authority and also the calling to perform sealing ceremonies. There are variations of the theme expressed above, but at least this should help clarify the definition of the terms used throughout this book. Um, and if you want, that's a good stopping point for a second, if you have anything to say or add. No, I don't have anything to add. Okay. Authority position keys. 
It has been mistakenly assumed by some that authority, position, and keys are all interlinked and mean about the same thing. But there is a significant difference. A man may have one, two, or all three, and herein lies a major mystery regarding the holy priesthood. Consider these three areas in the following list of possible variations. Keep in mind the definition of the word keys given on page 24 in the preceding chapter. Men may or may not hold the following. Number one, authority, position, keys. Number two, authority, no position, but with keys. Number three, authority, no position, and no keys. Number four, position, authority, and no keys. Number five, position, no authority, and no keys. Or number six, no authority, no position, and no keys. The following examples show how each of these situations could exist. Number one, someone holding authority, position, and keys. Such a man would have the authority of the priesthood, a position, position such as president of the church, and the keys of receiving revelations from the Lord entitled to a man who honors that position. Number two, authority with no position, but with keys. This could be those men since 1886 who were properly conferred with the authority of the Melchizedek priesthood but have not been ordained or called to a particular position in the church. They did receive keys, however, to perform a certain mission, i.e. to keep plural marriage alive by performing feelings of men and women. Of course they would use that example. Number three, authority, no position, and no keys. This could refer to those who had the priesthood conferred upon them at one time, but currently do not accept a position in the church, nor do they receive the keys to function in a priesthood office because of their own choice or actions. Many such persons are inactive in the church. Okay, I'm going to say something about the last one because I was like, Ugh. okay. So the authority with no position but with keys. So that is kind of... According to the LDS church, that would be um, kind of like Mark, kind of like so you ha Yeah, so the thing is, you have authority and you have Samuel the you don't have a position in the Yeah, you don't have a position in the church. Your position is given of God, so it's different. I'm above the church. So Samuel the Lamanite was preaching <clears throat> was preaching to the wicked Nephites, and Nephi was the head of the church. But Samuel the Lamanite was the one that God called, who was not even nobody even knew who he was. He just popped up one day and was yelling and screaming about this, that, and the other, and they're shooting arrows at him. And uh, he gave the message that God gave him to deliver, and he was a lucky son of a gun because he did what he did, and he got out of there. Didn't have to deal with the stupidity of the wicked uh, Nephites. And uh, Abinadi wasn't so lucky. He gave what he gave, and he <laughs> snuck into the city. And uh, King Noah was the head of the church at that time, and they were in apostasy. And, uh, you know, Abinadi was given his mission and his task from God, and uh, he did his job, and he paid for it by being not burned alive. They actually had this custom where they would take burning, uh, burning sticks and burn you to death with the smoldering end of the stick. That's how he died.
So that's a mess. Anyway, but yeah, so there's there's like things that examples of this, but in the modern LDS church, all they can do is their prophet worship stuff. So I'm gonna jump out of the truck real quick and get my gate locked so I can dump on this Grizz. Bringing in a load of coal for the Kingstons. Okay. Number three. Or, well, I just read number three, but we talked about number two. <laughs> number four. Position, authority, and no keys. Such a man could have the authority of the priesthood, the position of church president or apostle, like today, but no longer have the keys of receiving revelations from the Lord to guide him in his position. Such a person could be like those church leaders since the turn of the century who have lost the keys of two revelations. So since that said it all, I guess I don't have to. That's nice. Number five, position, no authority, and no keys. Such a person could be like some priesthood leaders of today who have been ordained to positions in the church but were never properly conferred with priesthood authority, i.e., those persons who were ordained between 1921 and 1957, when priesthood was not conferred but only an office in the priesthood was given. Without the priesthood authority, they would, of course, have no keys to revelation but only a position in the church. And number six, no position, no authority, and no keys apply to those who do or do not receive revelations or manifestations from the Lord in their individual capacity with the priesthood, i.e. Betty Edie, Damon Brinkley, Edgar, Casey, Joan of Arc, etc. Even though they have no priesthood authority, position, or keys, yet they still testify to receiving some type of spiritual gifts and revelations. This could also apply to those who are baptized into the church, but go no further. The most desirable situation, of course, is to have persons in both church and government who qualify to enjoy all three of these, authority, position, and keys. Did you have something to say, or are you just unmuted? Am I muted? You're not muted. But the devil blinds our eyes, and we frequently fail to see their importance and are often willing to settle for two out of three. The devil's program is one of deception and duplicity wherein individuals are attracted to worldly position, power, and prosperity. As soon as they acquire wealth and authority, they seek for higher and higher positions in the uppermost seats. As Joseph Smith pointed out, there are so many fools in the world for the devil to operate upon. It gives him the advantage oftentimes. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 331. Both positions and revelations can come from three sources, God, the devil, and man himself. And it is our responsibility to discern the difference. That is um, the end of that one. There is going to, now we're going to do callings and keys. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that before we start the next subheading? Okay, then I'll just keep going. Like keys, priesthood callings and mortality are so numerous and varied that it would be difficult to list them all. The two are usually so closely identified that they are oft, often received about the same time for whoever recalling from the Lord without getting the keys to perform that calling. According to Alma, some callings were prepared from the foundation of the world. He described those who had received this holy calling as 
one second. You need to go put that back over near the garage or go give it to Emmett. Okay? Okay. Take these off your wrist because it is squishing you. Mom, I can't hold baby Ashton. I saw. You need to go and get baby. Yeah, he's asleep. Where? In the living room. Where? Just sitting down. Okay, because he fell asleep playing. According to Alma, some callings were prepared from the foundation of the world. He described those who had received this holy calling, and those priests were ordained after the order of his son in a manner that thereby the people might know in what manner to look forward to his son for redemption. And this is the manner after which they were ordained, being called and prepared from the foundation of the world, according to the foreknowledge of God, on account of their exceeding faith and good works. And thus they have been called to the whole, this holy calling on account of their faith. This is a lot of like dot, 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 and skipping a bunch of stuff and then adding what they want to add, just saying. Um, thus this holy calling being prepared from the foundation of the world for such as would not harden their hearts, dot, 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 and thus being called by this holy calling and ordained unto the high priesthood of the holy order of God, dot, dot, dot. Now they were ordained after this manner, being called with a holy calling and ordained with a holy ordinance and taking upon them the high priesthood of the holy order, which calling and ordinance and high priesthood is without beginning or end. Therefore, they were called after his holy, this holy order and were sanctified, and their garments were washed white through the blood of the Lamb. See Alma 13, 2 through 11. There are three main ways in which someone can receive a calling from the Lord. He's alive. He's Stop. Okay. Thank you, Eliza. Number one, directly from the Lord himself. Number two, indirectly through a church officer, i.e. president, state president, bishop, etc., who is entitled to receive inspiration and revelation to help him in his stewardship. Number three, officially by virtue of the office itself, i.e. the duty and calling of a 70 and apostle and an apostle is to do missionary work. There are even times when someone can experience all three of these for one particular calling. For example, number one, a man may receive a direct revelation that he has to preach the gospel. Number two, his bishop may be inspired to call him to go on a mission. Number three, if the individual is ordained, a 70, he immediately receives a calling inherent in that office for building up the church and re regulating all the affairs of the same in all nations. That's Doctrine and Covenants 107, verse 34. It is interesting to note that some callings are for specific individual, for a specific individual, while others are more general. A specific calling can be an assignment for a person to do a particular task um, or work i.e. translating ancient records, building an ark or a particular temple, collecting hymns for the church, etc. A general calling is much broader in scope, i.e. doing missionary work, building temples, gathering to Zion, etc. A few brief examples of each of these two types of callings will be included on the following pages. And next we are doing specific callings. Joseph Smith called me by name and said unto me that he was a messenger sent from the presence of God to me, and that his name was Moroni, that God had a work for me to do. That comes from Pearl's Great Price, Joseph Smith, uh, chapter 2, verse 33. 
And thou, Joseph Smith, art still chosen and art again called to the work of translation. DNC chapter 3, verse 10. Which commandments were given to Joseph Smith, Jr., who was called of God and ordained an apostle of Jesus Christ to be the first elder of this church? April 1830, DNC 20, 20, er, 20, verse 2. Thy husband shall support thee, Emma, in the church, for unto them is his calling. For unto them is his calling, that all things might be revealed unto them, whatsoever I will, according to their faith. That's July 1830, DNC, chapter 25, verse 9. Hiram Smith. Hiram, thy calling is to exhortation and to strengthen the church continually. April 1830, DNC, chapter 23, verse 3. Samuel Smith, behold, I speak a few words unto you, Samuel, for thou art also under no condemnation, and thy calling is to exhortation and to strengthen the church, and thou art not as yet called to preach before the world. Amen. April 1830, Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 23, verse 4. Signe Rigdon. You, my servant Signe, should be a spokesman into unto this people. Yea, verily I will ordain you unto this calling, even to be a spokesman unto my servant Joseph. October 1833, DNC, chapter 100, verse 9. Oliver Cowdery. Behold, the work which you are called to do is to write for my servant Joseph. April 1829, DNC. Chapter 9, verse 4. And to Oliver Cowdery, who was also called of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to be the second elder of this church and ordained under his hand. April 1830, Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 20, verse 3. Known thy calling unto the church, and also before the world, and thy heart shall be open to preach the truth from henceforth and forever. Amen. That's April 1830, D&C, chapter 23, verse 2. Oliver Cowdery and David Whitmer. And now, Oliver Cowdery, I speak unto you and also unto David Whitmer by the way of commandment, for behold, I command all men everywhere to repent, and I speak unto you even as unto Paul, mine apostle, for you are called even with that same calling with which he was called. June 1829, DMC, chapter 18, verse 9. Joseph Knight. Behold, I am the light and the life of the world that speak these words. Therefore, give heed with your might, and then you are called. Amen. May 1829, DNC, 120, chapter 112, verse 9. Behold, I speak few words unto you, Joseph Knight, for thou also art under no condemnation, and thy calling also is to exhortation and to strengthen the church, and this is thy duty from henceforth and forever. Amen. That's April 1830, Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 23, verse 5. And lest one thinks that only the men can receive callings from the Lord, notice the six distinct callings that Emma Smith received on July 1830, Revelation, through her husband. Emma Smith, thy calling shall be one for a comfort unto my servant Joseph Smith, Jr., thy husband in his afflictions with consoling words in the spirit of meekness. And thou shalt go with him at the time of his going, and, number two, be unto him for a scribe, while there is no one to be a scribe for him. And thou shalt be ordained under his hand, number three, to expound scriptures, and, number four, to exhort the church according 
as it shall be given thee by my spirit. Thy time shall be given, number five, to writing and to learning much. And it shall be given thee also, number six, to make a selection of sacred hymns, as it shall be given thee, which is pleasing unto me, to be had in my church. That's July 1830, Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 25, verses 5 through 11. And at times, a particular group of individuals will receive a specific calling, as shown in the following three quotes pertaining to the Twelve Apostles. Twelve Apostles. Wherefore, you are called to cry repentance unto this people. June 1829, Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 18, verse 14. For verily I say unto you, the keys of the dispensation which ye have received have come down from the fathers, and last of all being sent down from heaven unto you. Verily I say unto you, behold, how great is your calling. Cleanse your hearts and your garments, lest the blood of this generation be required at your hands. July 1837, D&C, chapter 112, verses 32 through 33. The twelve apostles have got to rise up and magnify their calling, or they will be removed out of their place. The high priests, the seventies, the bishops, and every quorum of the church and kingdom of God have got to do the same or they also will be removed. We cannot sleep any longer with the priesthood of Almighty God resting upon us and the work that is required at our hands. That's 1835, Discourse of Wilford Woodruff, page 326. That end of that one, we're going to talk about general callings now. Did you have anything to add, remark? Not really. It's all pretty straightforward. Uh-huh. But that last yep. quote does show that apostles can fall. So their whole little, we'll never lead you astray. Well, talk to John W. Taylor about being excommunicated for apostasy for sticking to his father's revelation that he received in the in the 1880s. But anyway, uh, I'm going to mute myself. Okay. Doing missionary work, I consider all the elders of this church missionaries. In 1853, Teachings of Brigham Young, compiled by Fred Collier, chapter 3, verse 192, or uh, volume 3, page 192, sorry. Behold, the field is white already to harvest. Therefore, whoso desireth to reap, let him thrust in his sickle with his might, and reap while the day lasts, that he may treasure up for his soul everlasting salvation in the kingdom of God. Yea, whosoever will thrust in his sickle and reap the same is called of God. April 1829, Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 6, verse 3 through 4. What greater calling can any man have on the face of the earth than to hold in his hands power and authority to go forth and administer in the ordinances of salvation? That's um, Discourse of Wilford Woodruff, pages 133 through 134. Therefore, if ye have desires to serve God, ye are called to the work. February 1829, Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 4, verse 3. Therefore, let no man among you, for this commandment is unto all the faithful who are called of God in the church unto the ministry for from this hour take purse or script that goeth forth to proclaim this gospel of the kingdom. That's September 1832, Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 84, verse 86. And now we're going to do building temples. Therefore, verily I say unto you, 
that your anointings and your washings and your baptisms for the dead and your solemn assemblies and your memorials for your sacrifices by the sons of Levi and for your oracles in your most holy places wherein you receive conversations and your statutes and judgments for the beginning of the revelations and foundation of Zion and for the glory, honor, and endowment of all her municipals are ordained by ordinance of my, my, holy, my holy house which my people are always commanded to build unto my holy name. That's January 1841, Doctrine and Covenants, Chapter 124, Verse 39. Hi. Do you know that you're muted? Oh, okay. Did you want to say yes. something? Okay. Yes, I want to say two things. I okay. value the words of the early leaders of the church. However, I understand that not everything that they say is true. Um, and one example, and uh, I, I value their words because there's a lot of truth in them, but you still have to go to God and get revelation. And the fundamentalists, they'll take all this stuff as like pure doctrine written, you know, in, and uh, just don't even think about it. Just, just take it. Or whatever it is, and well, so and so said this. Okay, well, I'm glad that you're so happy about what so and so said. Still got it over and over again for years and years and years. However, real quick, in Jacob, David, and Solomon were condemned by God in a revelation given to Jacob, thus saith the Lord revelation that he gave to the people in that, uh, of that time, that David and Solomon were wrong for multiplying wives unto himself. That actually goes right along with Torah. You're not supposed to multiply wives unto yourself. There is a place for polygamy, but multiplying wives actually uh, breaks Torah law, okay? Now, in that revelation, God spoke through Jacob and condemned David and Solomon. Two, it says David and Solomon did no sin except for, well, David, you know, the, the only thing he ever did was the killing of Uriah you know, and he'll be condemned for that, but nothing else, okay? Well, Section 132 was given after the saints got out to Utah after Joseph Smith was dead. Now, Joseph Smith said if they contradict the Bible, the Book of Mormon, or the Doctrine and Covenants, you set them down as imposters. Section 132, while I believe parts of it are true, there are things in it that are false. Brigham Young liked to string, or he liked to take revelations and smash them together. Uh, for somebody who has the, uh, the spirit of discernment, you can read that. But for somebody that doesn't, you think it's all from one revelation, and it's not. And Brigham Young also added his own context into things. So somebody with the spirit of discernment can read along and see where God is speaking and where Brigham is adding his own crap. Uh, section 124, which is what you just quoted, is talking about that temple that they were supposed to build 
where the father could restore the fullness of the priesthood, he never came to that temple. That was never done. The Shekinah glory of God never came into that temple or upon that temple. And all those things that you just read, and if you go back and read that quote again, none of that ever happened. Go ahead and read that quote again, section 124, if you, if you wouldn't mind. January 1841 one from building temples. Yeah, yeah, yep. Okay. Therefore, verily I say unto you that your anointings and your washings and your baptisms for the dead and your solemn assemblies and your memorials for your sacrifices by the sons of Levi and for your oracles in your most holy places wherein you receive conversations and your statutes and judgments for the beginning of the revelations and foundation of Zion and for the glory, honor, and endowment of all her municipals are ordained by the ordinance of my holy house, which my people are always commanded to build unto my holy name. End quote. January 1841, Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 124, verse 39. Right before he says that, right before Jesus tells Joseph Smith that in 1841, he says, if you don't do what I say, you'll be rejected as a church with your dead. In verses 27 and 28, that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, build a temple unto the Most High, whereby he, the Father, can come dwell therein, that he might restore that which was lost unto you, for that which was taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood. But they never did it. He never came. It's the kind of glory of God that came upon the temple in uh, Kirtland never came upon the temple in Nauvoo or any other temple after that. Um, now, the things that you just read were the things that were supposed to happen in that temple, but none of that ever happened either. The oracles of God, the church wants you to believe that the men are the oracles. Oh, we've got the, we are the oracles of God. No. In Hebrew, the meaning of the word oracle is the words of God is delivered by the prophets to the people. They're the words of God. That's an oracle. When the leaders of the church want to say that they're the oracles, once again, if they contradict the Bible, the Book of Mormon, or the Doctrine and Covenants, you set them down as imposters. The revelations that were the beginning of the foundation for the redemption of Zion that would have been done. Zion would have already been redeemed if the people were obedient. But later on in section 124, he said, All they who hinder this work will be cursed to the third and fourth generation, which is up to 160 years. And that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. They were cursed from 1843. And Lyman White actually talked about how the church had been rejected in 1843. I've got some kind of weird echo going on. Anyway, oh, okay. um, I don't know what it was. Anyway, but Lyman White actually talked about how the church was rejected. He took a group of people because it was a big splinter because nobody knew who had the authority. It wasn't Brigham Young. It wasn't Lyman White either. It wasn't Signor Rigdon. Because guess what? The church had been rejected with their dead according to that revelation. If they didn't do this, then this would happen. If they did do this, this other thing would happen. Well, God 
said, I'll fight your battles for you. You shall not be removed from your place. But they were removed from their place. God did not fight their battles for them. He allowed them to be cursed and rejected, which he said would happen, which is exactly what happened. So um, I want to talk a little tiny bit about how I am kind of a fundamentalist because I know that there's a lot of truth taught by the early leaders of the church, but there's a lot of error too. There's a lot of truth because they learned a lot from Joseph Smith and they carried that on, but then they added their own stuff and just did a bunch of stuff they weren't supposed to do because they were not receiving revelations uh, like they should have been or they just taught things. Um, I like to use the fundamentalist uh, stuff to show the modern Mormons how off topic in an apostasy the LDS church is today. It's like a wedge. I'm trying to get you to stop following after the flesh and go to God and get revelation for yourself. Stop trusting these men that lie to you. They are wolves in sheep's clothing, or in other words, Babylonian businessmen and wolf suits. Prophecy fulfilled. Go ahead, Kim. Okay, just getting in and back out. Okay, gathering together, it was designed, oh, of course, when I get back out, I guess it stops me from reading. It was the design of the councils of heaven before the world was that the principles and laws of the priesthood should be predicated upon the gathering of the people in every age of the world. Jesus did everything to gather the people and they would not be gathered. And he, therefore, poured out curses upon them. That's Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 308. The greatest temporal and spiritual blessings, which always come from faithfulness and concerted effort, never attended individual exertion or enterprise. The history of all past ages abundantly attests this fact. In addition to all temporal blessings, there is no other way for the saints to be saved in these last days than by the gathering, as the concurrent testimony of all the holy prophets clearly proves. It is also the concurrent testimony of all the prophets that this gathering together of all the saints must take place before the Lord comes to take vengeance upon the ungodly and to be glorified and administered or admired by all those who obey the gospel. That's teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 183. Now, magnifying your callings. The Lord has instructed each of us to magnify our callings, no matter what they may be as each one is important in building up his kingdom. Therefore, let every man stand in his own office and labor in his own calling, and let not the head say unto the feet, it hath no need of the feet. For without the feet, how shall the body be able to stand? Also, the body hath need of every member that all may be edified together, that the system may be kept perfect. That's Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 84, verses 109 and 110. For whoso is faithful into the obtaining of these two priesthoods, of which I have spoken, and the magnifying of their calling, or magnifying their calling, are sanctified by the Spirit unto the renewing of their bodies. That's D&C 84, verse 33. And if a person does labor in his own calling, thus magnifying their calling, or in other words, exercising his keys, 
then he can be among the chosen. For we are told that it is one thing to be called, but quite another to be chosen. Some were chosen in the pre-existence, and some will be chosen after proving faithfully in mortality. Now the Lord had shown unto me, Abraham, the intelligences that were organized before the world was. And among all these, there were many of the noble and great ones. And God saw these souls, that they were good. And he stood in the midst of them, and he said, These I will make my rulers. For he stood among those that were spirits, and he saw that they were good. And he said unto me, Abraham, thou art one of them. Thou wast chosen before thou wast born. That's Pearl of Great Price, Abraham, chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. Behold, there are many called, but few are chosen. And why are they not chosen? Because of their hearts are set so much upon the things of this world and aspire to the honors of men, that they do not learn this one lesson, that the rights of the priesthood are inseparably connected with the powers of heaven, and that the powers of heaven cannot be controlled nor handled only upon the principles of righteousness. We learned by sad experience, it is the nature and disposition of almost all men, as soon as they get a little authority, as they suppose, they will immediately begin to exercise unrighteous dominion. Hence, many are called, but few are chosen. Doctrinal, or that's D&C, chapter 121, verses 34, 36, and also 39 through 40. But behold, verily I say unto you, that there are many who have been ordained among you, whom I have called, but few of them are chosen. That's Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 95, verse 5. There has been a day of calling, but the time has come for a day of choosing, and let those be chosen that are worthy. That's D&C, 105, verse 35. And to emphasize the importance of being both called and chosen, Joseph Smith said, God will not acknowledge that which he has not called, ordained, and chosen. That's Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 168. And also, it is not the multitude of preachers that is to bring about the glorious millennium, but it is those who are called and chosen and faithful. That's Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 42. And taking the subject of calling to the ultimate level, the prophet exclaimed, Oh, I beseech you to go forward, go forward and make your calling and your election sure. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 366. For more information on this subject, see Calling and Election, a 218-page book by this author. How important is it, or it is, then, for each of us, number one, to learn what our callings are, number two, to magnify these callings by using the keys associated therewith, and number three, and to eventually make these callings sure, calling and election. If we do not use these God-given keys, they will become rusty and taken away, and may even be turned against us. Okay, and the next heading, rule and reign or serve and sacrifice. So often those with authority, position, calling, and keys mistakenly think that entitles them to rule and reign over others. But according to the Savior, it is just the opposite. He that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. Sorry, Matthew 223, verses 11 through 12. Christ gave the following example. And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. 
but ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve. For whether is greater he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth? Is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth? That's Luke chapter 22, verses 24 through 27. And again, when Jesus spoke to the Nephites, he said, Blessed are ye, if ye shall give heed unto the woods of these twelve whom I have chosen from among you to minister unto you and to be your servants. That's Third Nephi chapter 12, verse 1. Too many people believe that a man's position makes him a great person. The president of the nation is revered and treated by most of his subjects with awe and adulation, considering it a wonderful privilege just to shake his hand. But he may be nothing more than a dishonest scoundrel and a hypocrite. People idolize movie stars and put them on some kind of pedestal, thinking it a great honor just to see one. But many of them live immoral and artificial lives, to say the least. Just because a man is rich, famous, and powerful among men does not make him great in the eyes of God. Did you want to talk? Um, I actually wanted to say something about that. Um, Just about myself. Like, I know God has given me this calling that I was foreordained to do what I'm doing right now. But... I wish that I could be like Radio Free Mormon, who, if you don't know who he is, listen to his podcast. They're pretty good. But um, I wish I could be like him because, like, he keeps his name to himself and he just calls himself RFM, Radio Free Mormon. I don't like it when people know that I am who I am. I am doing this because God wants me to do it. I do not want to do it because I just don't want to do it. I'm not trying to seek a bunch of fame and stuff. And I know a lot of people accuse me of that. But so I was just going to talk about the church that we go to. Like the old pastor knew exactly, well, exactly who I claimed to be. And I think I actually broke him as a pastor, which it made me cry when he left because, um, I love listening to him. Like, there's not very many people that can really edify me that are, you know, men in the flesh. But, like, the rest of the congregation have no idea who I am. Or they know who I am, but they don't know who I am. And I am thankful for that. And I'm glad that a lot of people don't know who I am, only those that are interested in this stuff. So, like, There's a lot of people who know who I am, but they don't know me personally. And I'm glad to teach them, but I am happy to to be able to live my life without uh, being in the limelight as far as, like, people coming up to me. Like, it kind of shocked me when we were in Nauvoo and that guy came up to me and he knew exactly who I was and he grabbed my hand and he had tears in his eyes because he had waited his whole life and then he saw me and he met me and he knew he knew exactly who I was or I am that doesn't happen very often more often than not people know who I claim to be but they don't know what to think about me and then there's a lot of people who think I'm just delusional and whatever but whatever they can have their opinions I really don't care 
<laughs> I just I have a different perspective on things than most people. Like Jesus Christ, we don't know. Well, most of us don't know what he did for all those years between 12 to 30 years old. You know, he lived his life. People, some people knew who he was, but the vast majority didn't know who he was until his uh, until his ministry started. You know, and that's kind of a blessing. You know, um, he was able to live his life in peace and have time when nobody knew who he was. And they would be happy to be around him because he could quote scripture and teach and all of that. And that was nice, but nobody knew that he was Messiah or the Son of God, except for his family, you know, some of his family, his mom. Because <laughs> even his brother Jake, uh, Jacob or Yaakov didn't accept him until after his resurrection. You know, and, and like I can appreciate that because a lot of people were happy to have me in the congregation in the LDS churches and in the Christian churches all over North America whenever I was there, but they didn't know who I was. I was just a traveling guy. Nobody knew, you know, where are you from? Idaho. What are you doing here? I'm a truck driver just trying to go to church, you know, and they were happy to have me, but they didn't know. And like, I kind of feel awkward because I'm just a servant. I was called. I was not ready for this calling. Uh, in mortality, but even in the spirit world. Yes, I was one who was mighty and strong, but I was not ready to be the witness of the Father and the Son. But God chose me to take that place. And I don't even know what to think about it. When when I first found out, I, I looked at Heavenly Father, and I was standing with him when he showed me who I was. And I was just, like, dumbfounded. And it took me a minute, and I was like, am I the witness? And he just smiled at me, and he said, well, it has to be somebody. And I was just like, holy crap. <laughs> but um, I, I just want people to know I'm not looking for fame or fortune. I want people to repent. I want Zion to be redeemed. And it's all that I think about all the time. And uh, that's why I do the radio show. So if you're just listening because I'm interesting, Thank you for listening. Think about repenting and being obedient to God's commandments. So, Kim, I'm going to mute myself. I am almost to the mine, and I'm going to go around this turn and start breaking up. So how many pages do we have left? We're almost done. Okay. Uh, also a reminder, if you could try to remember to use your mute on your headset, that way you don't have to go in and out of the thing. That'd be great. All right, I'm going to mute myself. I am just scrolling down to where we're at. Okay. those with authority position calling keys mistakenly think that entitles them to rule and reign over others but according to the savior it is just the opposite he that is greatest among you shall be your servant and whatsoever whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased matthew 
223, um, verse 11 and 12. Christ gave the following example. And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. And he is he that is chief, as he doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth. Is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you, as he that serveth. Luke chapter 22, verses 24 through 27. And again, when Jesus spoke to the Nephites, he said, Blessed are ye, if ye shall give heed unto the words of the tw these twelve, whom I have chosen from among you, to minister unto you, and to be your servants. Third Nephi, chapter 12, verse 1. Too many people believe that a man's position makes him a great person. The president of the nation is revered and treated by most of his subjects with awe and adulation, considering it a wonderful privilege just to shake his hand, that he may be nothing more than a dishonest scoundrel, a hypocrite. People idolize movie stars and put them on some kind of pedestal, thinking it a great honor just to see one. But many of them live moral and artificial lives, to say the least, just because a man is rich, Famous and powerful among men does not make him great in the eyes of God. In referring to people who cry out against prophets, apostles, angels, revelations, prophesying, and visions, the prophet Joseph said, "Why they are not? Why they are just ripening for the damnation of hell? They will be damned, for they reject the most glorious principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ and treat with disdain underfoot." the key that unlocks the heavens and puts in our possession the glories of the celestial world. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 298. He also warned us to beware of Gentile um, sophistry. Yeah, sophistry. Fallacy, such as bowing and scraping unto men in whom you have no confidence. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 156. The people of the world know little or nothing about those who hold the holy priesthood. For the Lord has told his people, For ye are lawful heirs according to the flesh, and have been hid from the world with Christ in God. D&C 86, verse 9. It is a blessing not found among the worldly, because priesthood authority and keys do not come through that kind of lineage. He has said, The weak things of the world shall come forth and break down the mighty and strong ones. Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 1, verse 19. God always seems to operate that way. He may choose a young boy with a slingshot, a babe in the bulrushes, some unlearned fisherman, a youth in a groove of trees, and almost always the poor. The important thing is not just holding keys, but using keys. In other words, the greatness of a man is not what he has, but what he does with what he has. Holding a lot of keys is meaningless if they are not used constructively, whereas holding only a few keys and using them properly may be of much greater significance. It is very possible that in the final evaluation, some little elder might have done more with his keys to accomplish the work of the Lord than some famous general authority and all his keys. The crucial question is, what is being done with one's priesthood keys? Are they being used to rule and reign or serve and sacrifice? 
What a grand and glorious day it would be if all mankind used their authority, positions, callings, and keys to serve the Lord and their fellow men. And that is the end of that chapter, and we'll be reading chapter 4 in just a little bit. I'm going to do a little bit of a preview. Um, the call-in number to call in and ask questions or comment or edify others would be 917-889-8827. And you are always welcome to call in. If you want to talk, go ahead and raise your hand by pushing number one. Um, let's get into this. Priesthood, Rights, and Keys, Chapter 4. The Lord promised Zacharias that he should have a son who was a descendant of Aaron, the Lord having promised that the priesthood should continue with Aaron and his seed throughout their generations. Let no man take this honor upon himself, except he be called of God, as was Aaron, and Aaron received this calling, or this call, by revelation. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 272. We have often heard the scriptural passage that the rights of the priesthood are inseparably connected with the powers of heaven. But like many of the priesthood terms already discussed, this word, rights, is also frequently misunderstood. This chapter will discuss answers to three frequently asked questions regarding priesthood rights and keys. Who keys of the priesthood? What are the rights to priesthood keys, and three, how does one use and abuse priesthood keys? And that will be the end of the reading for tonight. I am pretty sure that there is more commentary, um, but not sure if he can um, get on or not right now. Mark, can you hear us? I just got back into service. Okay. So we and I'm up at the mine. Okay, you did the preview and all that. And all of that. Okay. Uh, so, a little reminder, uh, we're not going to be on for the rest of the week unless uh, I decide to do a bonus episode. But uh, my wife and I are going on vacation to a work conference. Vacation for me, not for her, but she loves her job, so, and I love her job, and she's so good at it, so, um, so we're going to be out, out doing the thing, and uh, we're just not going to be doing any radio shows for the rest of the week, so, um, I will be posting uh, old radio shows and stuff on my Facebook wall and in my different groups. LBS Gospel Ministries is one of the main ones. If you want to go there and if you want to listen to some of that, you can also go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. So, Kim, uh, do you have uh, the studio open? No, I don't have the studio open on my phone. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, hold sometimes on. my mute and unmute doesn't oh. work right, so yes. Is the B loadout open? Can't start going in the B. All right. So uh, Joseph Smith had a store that he ran, which is how he took care of paying for himself. He didn't ask people to pay for him when he could work for mm-hmm. himself, which is a true principle. Yep. 
and uh, I'm a truck driver, and I am doing my job. And Kim is nice enough to be able to help us during prime time when I have to be at work so that people can listen to this live. And uh, we do this partly so that people can call in, but sometimes they do, and most of the time they don't. So whatever. Anyway, um, so I'm at the mine getting loaded up here. Um, I guess I'll just play the uh, the music, and uh, we'll be done with the program for the rest of the week. We'll be back on Monday, unless I decide to do some kind of bonus episode or something. Thank you, Kim, for reading. And, uh, oh, we need to get that. Uh, that radio equipment that we had sent to our friend's house in Salt Lake because that would probably help you a lot to be able to work the studio and to do the soundboard and all of that. Yeah. So. But we don't have it right now, so it is what it is. All right, well, I'm going to cue the music. I will call you as soon as I'm done with this. And uh, actually, can you just stay on the phone so it doesn't drop while I'm going down? Uh, I'm going to play the music now, so just go ahead and mute your mic. Thank you for listening, everyone. Take care. God bless. And goodbye. 